The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. Okay, free of your hands for a second. We need to kind of do something here on Palm Sunday. Uh, a lot of times the churches I grew up on on Palm Sunday, they brought out palm branches and waved palm things around, which was kind of weird because I go, I don't get it, I understand it. Here's what's going on on Palm Sunday. As Jesus gets on the back of a, a pony donkey, not a horse like a victorious king would come riding in on, and not like a normal, even a donkey, but a, a baby donkey. And as he comes in, he's fulfilling intentionally the prophecy that, was, that they've heard now for hundreds of years, that when the king comes, he's coming on the back of a baby donkey, and the crowd is in frenzy. And so we're going to do this together today. We're going to go with me. Hosanna. Here we go. Hosanna. Come on. Hosanna. And it means save us now. Save us now. That's what's going on then. They're saying Hosanna. All Hosanna means is save us now. Save us now. It's a, it's a, a thing that the, a coach would do in a locker room. It's a thing that a general would do uh, in, in, before going into battles. Like the time has come. Let's go get him. And it's a big war cry kind of thing. Let's get out there. And we're going to sing a song today uh, called Hosanna. And now it's got different uh, rhythms and patterns. So don't do this clap in there. So that's all happened on Palm Sunday. And the crowd is in frenzy because it's Passover week. There's thousands of people out there and they've heard all about Jesus. He's a populist figure. and They've heard the crazy, amazing miracles he's done. The teaching, all this kind of stuff. There's been conflict and difficulty with the authorities, with the Roman authorities, with, with, the, with the Jewish authorities. And yet he's wildly popular. And somewhere in that week, what Grant just read for us happens. We don't know where they're at. We're just going to assume they're in a house somewhere. Because all of a sudden... And inside the house, the guys open the door. And they're saying, can we help you? And the Greeks, these two Greek guys say, um, we, 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 we want to see Jesus. We, we just want to see Jesus. And keep talking about that in a second. But I wonder today, when you come to church, when you come to spirituality, when you come to religion. There's a clarifying question there for you on your note sheet. I'd encourage you to get that note sheet out. There's not going to be a lot of fill in the blanks today because the nature of this message is not a lot of pragmatic, specific steps and things like that, but still, you might want to write some of these things down. But uh, I wonder, what would you put in that blank? What do you want Jesus to do for you today? If you went, if you went knocked on the door, we want to see, I want to see I know what's on first on my list. I got some people I'm praying for, some things. I want to see an answer to prayer. I want to see God do something significant in my, my, my kids' lives, in my financial life, in, in, in my, my business, in my marriage. I want to see God do something. I, I want to see not just a, a minor thing. I want to see a miracle. I want to see God do something miraculous. Or we come to church and I got... I want to see a great band. I want to hear a great band, great worship experience. Or I want to see, I want to experience a great message. Uh, if you were here the last two weeks, you heard great messages. Today, you're stuck with me. So we'll see where this goes. But uh, we want to see that. We want to see, 
especially if you've been in difficulty and opposition like Jesus has been in, and, and maybe you have been in with difficult situations with relationships, with difficult people in your life, uh, those of you in, in situations with an ex, spouse, a difficult thing, you want, maybe it's a business thing even that's happened, where you got screwed over on a business deal. You want to see vindication. We want to see justice. And those are all good things that, that are going on there. We want to see, um, let me just step right on some toes today, just to prepare you for what's about to happen here in America in the next couple of years. In the last 10 or so years here in America, the evangelical church has been weaponized to say, we want to see Jesus help our candidate win. As if Jesus somehow is a conservative or a liberal. Like, Jesus doesn't, isn't a donkey or an elephant, he's a lion. Is it a donkey or an elephant? Those two parties, right? Yeah. And make sure I had that right. That would be lame. Oh. So I wonder today, what's in your blank? What do you want to see? And it's interesting there. They say, look, they probably had a lot of needs and a lot of things going on. All they want is, we just, we just want to see Jesus. From the very beginning here at Cross Point Church, that's been our whole deal. We are all kinds of people discovering and following Jesus. We are not interested in helping you become all you can be. Not interested. Not interested in making it be all about you because the second it's all about you, this just gets ingrown and nasty and then competitive. See, the second it's all about you, then it's all up to you. And if it's all up to you and it's all up to me, we're done. We just want to see Jesus here. Uh, you have this Vision 23 booklet in your program today. If you're newer today, the last few weeks we've been talking about the vision, the mission of where God has us uh, going. Uh, and there's some stuff in here in this about looking back on this last year and all the exciting things that God's done here with people getting baptized, new people coming. A lot of you are brand new to us in the last six months or 12 months, the big outreach stuff we've done. Our student ministries been awesome off the charts. Kids, man, I've got a chance to go back there and see that. They've done some things to raise their game back there, all kinds of kids. We've, we're reaching double the number of kids and families uh, right now that we were last year. Fantastic things are happening here. But on, on this page, it looks like this right here. It says Vision 23. Get to that page. Because we're about to experience the shortest business meeting in church history. This is not the business meeting yet. We have to have a, couple, we have to have a business meeting here. We're required to do it by law. So we do short business meetings because nobody likes business meetings, especially church ones. So... To set the context, here's the intro to the business meeting. The intro is this. All kinds of people discovering following Jesus. It means Jesus is central. You're not central. I'm not central. Crosspoint isn't even central. Jesus is central. The Bible is final. It means the Bible is final even when I hate it and don't like what it says. Especially when I hate it and don't like what it says. That means that God's going to have some things to say to me that's going to go, like, I'm not here to pat you on the head and tell you you're cute and fun. Because you're not. You're a disaster. You need help. He's gonna, he, we're going to say here, relationship of transformation. The people you surround yourself with will determine the outcome of your life for good or for bad. So you've got to be in, involved in significant community and relationships. And because of that, we want to be all kinds of people, not just my kind of people. Sadly, sometimes in churches and in organizations, it becomes all about my kind of people. And so it becomes this very narrow kind of thing. We want to be all kinds of people, which means then unity and diversity are essential which sounds great on a coffee mug, great on a screensaver, incredibly complex and crazy to work out sometimes. Here's our four big ideas coming for us in, in 2023. You want to see more people 
coming to discover and follow Jesus. That means more people coming to our weekend services, more people jumping into small groups, more people uh, getting baptized. We want to see a bunch of people get baptized. We already had 13 people get baptized. We have another person get baptized today at the end of our time together. It's always an amazing time when that happens here. There's a few more in the loop. We want to see a bunch of people get baptized. We want to see, um, guys, we've never been big about numerical goals and all that stuff because those can be so, you, the tail can start wagging the dog about just trying to reach the, reach the, the numerical goal. That can be kind of unhealthy. But gosh, I don't know if you know this, in the first 90 days, the first three months of this year, we've had 60, not new people, 60 new families show up here at Cross Point. Some of you are there. You, you have, some of you have joined teams. You're plugged in. You're serving. You're connecting. You're, you're doing all that. That's been exciting to see. You want to see that can ha- happen more and more. It's, it's been exciting, too. Uh, last week, uh, there's a couple of new families here on Saturday night. Kids are a little really nervous about going to their kids' classes. And you know what kids are. They get nervous about that. So mom and dad go to get them. They come rushing out. They got done here on the end of our service. And they told mom and mom and dad came to pick them up. They go, mom and dad, we're not done yet. Go away. They were so excited about what's going on, and we feel that sense of excitement and vibrancy. We want to see increased giving to fund the mission of what God has called us to do here. California, I don't know if you paid attention to this at all, you look outside today, it's in a beautiful, amazing place to live, and because it's a beautiful, amazing place to live, it's an expensive place to live. That just means there's realities, pragmatic realities of what it means to work and what it means to do business here, what it means to have a church here. So we got to do some things here to take care of that, of rising costs and all that kind of thing. But bigger than just a financial meet, meet the bottom line of the budget, man, how exciting it is to say we're going to be part of something where we're not just going to reach people. Oh, fun. Maybe the, I start talking about money and the guy, the media guy's got to stop talking about money. You're done. <laughs> uh, we want to see all kinds of people more and more discover and follow Jesus, and not just here in our area, but to partner up with ministries and individuals regionally uh, and globally all around the world, which means that's our third big thing we're going to do this year. It's in a month on the weekend of May 6th and 7th, our big party with a purpose. How many were here for our last one we did? Yeah, see, most of you missed. The, it was an amazing time. We threw, we, one thing we do really well here at Cross Point Church we know how to throw great parties. Our parties are amazing here. And the thing about our parties is you remember them uh, as opposed to some of the parties that you people go to sometimes and you wake up the next, never mind, that's a different sermon for a different day. Um, to raise a bunch of money there and all the money we're going to raise, our goal is to raise $100,000 that week through giving, through, charitable, uh, through, through uh, raffle baskets, through auction, through food sales, all that kind of stuff. Raise $100,000, it's not going to go one dime of it to our church. It's going to go to organizations and missionaries and, and missions locally, globally, and, and regionally, and those kind of things. So you uh, need some help with that. If you have stuff that you could donate, or maybe you, you know people who have stuff they could donate. Maybe famous people, wealthy people, people who have businesses, goods and services, things like that, that you could donate for this. We need that kind of stuff. Uh, we need all your small groups. We have 25 different small groups right now. We have every single group to do a gift basket. And when we talk about gift baskets, we're not talking about a, um, a $10 coupon to Amazon Prime to rent a video and some microwave popcorn. We're talking about gift baskets that people go spend a bunch of money on buying tickets for. The last time we did this, we had a few baskets that had like $3,000 worth of tickets 
in there trying to win that basket. We need those kinds of things done. So if you can help us out with that, start thinking about that right now. People I know, maybe don't go here, but they, like, if I talk to them, they probably donate something significant or big or cool here. So do that. Be involved in that. Make all of that happen. And then the fourth big thing we're looking at is with our campus. Those of you who are newer here wonder when you show up here, am I coming to church or am I coming to get my transmission changed? Just the very nature of kind of the, what surrounds us and all that. And we're not, well, it's kind of weird at times. Our parking is a little wonky if you're brand new here trying to find a good parking space sometimes. Uh, we're not driven, I'm not driven by the sense of we have to get into our own place and do all that. We're just asking God this year to say, answer the big question for us. Should we stay here or should we go? Should we go buy property? Should we go buy a building and convert it out, build it out? Instead of paying somebody else's mortgage by just renting something, should we go do that ourselves? And we're not driven by that. We're asking God to be definitively clear on, on that for us. That's the four big things we're doing. Now, the business meeting is about to start right now. The last two pages of this annual report, the last page here has the budget and has the elders. According to our polity and business practices, you have to vote on that. Our elders are the highest level of human authority here at Cross Point Church. We have the elders listed here. We've been t talking to you guys about these for the next last two or three weeks here. Our budget is also listed there. Today, at the world's shortest business meeting, you're going to vote. And you're, on the back of that connection card that Grant had you fill out, on the back of that, there's all our elders listed there and the budget there with yes or no. If you have comments, questions about anything there, Put that down there for you. We'll get our open book. Anything more details you need to see, let us know about that. And so, therefore, I, I move that we close this business meeting, and I move and second it all on my own. Boom. The business meeting is done. So, at the end of the service, put those uh, cards in there, and that's how we'll do the, the vote on that. But what's interesting here is these people show up, and they come. They, they say, we're, we're looking for Jesus. And so the disciples go... And they tell Jesus, hey, these Gentiles, these Greek people showed up looking for you. And Jesus hears this and he says, hmm. Verse 23 of John chapter 12. Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter his glory. Glory would echo across the cavern there perhaps. Because Jesus has felt, has experienced a great deal of opposition and persecution and difficulty. Wildly popular with the crowd, but the people who have the guns and the power are after him. They don't like him. And he says, now the time has come for glory to happen. A few days ago, we just saw him coming riding on the donkey, right? Hosanna! Save us now! And this is it. And you think, okay, he's, he's talking about winning. The time that, they, that the time of difficulty is gone now, the time for winning is here. That's what everybody would have heard. And then Jesus' social media consultant would look at him and go, if he would just stop talking sometimes, it'd be so much easier to market him. Because Jesus says, the time has come for me to win and glory. And look what he says. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me. Keep in mind that in three days, you know where he's going to be walking? 
carrying a cross to be crucified. This is what he's alluding to. He has said this several times over the three plus years that he's been talking to me. must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. He talks there about victory and then all this idea about seeds and death and dying. Our culture is going to tell you that the the pathway for you to be successful is all about self-esteem, self-actualization, uh, your, your destiny, reach, reach your potential. And, and Jesus says, okay, you can do that. This is seed. He uses the illustration of a seed here. He says, look, this seed, to reach its full potential, has to go into the ground and die. Otherwise, it just stays a seed. Our culture is telling you, oh, no, 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 no. What, what you need is seed esteem. <laughs> seed image. You should, you should post on, on seed book and Insta seed grammar and seed talk. Yeah. Become all you can, all, be, be all you can be, self-esteem, all that kind of stuff. And I had some people in our kids' men team, Abigail and her mom, uh, We've got some of these seed pods out, and here's what's happening for us. Some of these will be up on the screen here. Here's what we're doing. Make more money, get more educated, become the best seed you can be. we got all kinds of things in here. Crazy. And it's what we're doing out there in social media, and we talk with our friends, we feel really good, because you know what? I'm a really cool seed. Look how pretty I am. Or we get to this place of being a seed, and it's like, Oh, I've reached the pinnacle of seeddom, and now I can go. I can go to the resort and just, just bask in my my seedinity. All that and more. There's other ones here. There's oh, here's the one. If I make a lot of money, and reach a lot of success, and all that, I can be gold-plated seed, and everybody goes. Who, who looks your social media posts, who watches the famous people who will go, ooh, awesome. All, all this and more are in here. Various kinds of seeds, and Jesus is going to along, come along and say, i got so much better for you than just being great at being a seed. This is why he's going to say in the book of Luke, and it's not only in Luke, it's in other places. He's going he's to tell us, Hey, anyone who wants to be experience the life that I have for you, not it doesn't say must go out and achieve all your potential, not but become not achieve your best life now, become all you can be. You know what he says? Pick up your cross and follow me. And in fact, even one place says, pick up your cross daily and follow me. It's why Paul says in the book of Galatians, Paul who hated Christianity, hated Jesus, he was all about being the religious seed. Look how great and religious I can be. I can do it myself. Look, at I've got myself all wrapped up. I got myself all cleaned up. Look how awesome I can be. And, G, and Paul come, comes along and says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There's other verses there you can look up there. He's gonna, Jesus is going to tell us the pathway to life 
And the life you really want is to give up yourself, to pick up your cross and follow me. Now, we hear pick up your cross and follow me and think, okay, I'm not going to ask you right now, but I look at you guys come in here. We, some of you have cross tattoos. Some of you have cross necklaces, cross jewelry, cross. We have, we, people in the first century that were beginning this whole way of Jesus, they would, they would laugh and not laugh at us like, like we're fools or dumb. They would laugh at us like, what are you talking about? The idea that someday places where they would gather to worship this Jesus person, they would put massive crosses up in there? There's no way you're going to do that. That's because the cross is a hideous, terrifying, awful experience. The one thing you knew about someone, if you were in first century anywhere in the Roman Empire, because the Romans regularly crucified people, if you saw someone carrying a cross, you know what you absolutely knew? That dude's not coming back. The seed goes into the soil, seed's not coming back. What, what's coming back is, is completely different. Jesus says here that the, the, the seed goes into the soil, one little tiny little seed goes into the soil, and what comes out is hundreds and thousands of new seeds that grow up there. You can feed people. This is a tulip bulb. This little tulip bulb goes in the soil. You can keep this and be all the seed you can be, or you can have this. Something beautiful like that. Or the next one here. So you can have what the world tells you, seed esteem. Be the best seed you can be. Or you can say, maybe Jesus is just way honking smarter than the whole world is combined. And see, culture and psychology and religion even will tell you, just be a great seed. And Jesus says, so much, so much better for you. Something so much more amazing for you. That's why in the book of 2 Corinthians 5.17, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul says it this way. He says, if any man is in new Christ, he is a new creature, creation. The old is gone, the new has come. What Jesus is going to tell us is that you don't need a remodel, you need a resurrection. And the world's going to tell you, just get remodeled. Just be the best seed you can be. See, the good news about this, here's where there's hope for you in this, because some of us have had some sin and foolishness that we've done in our life. Some of you have done some things to wreck your finances, wreck your marriage, wreck your kids, wreck your health, wreck all kinds of stuff. There's sometimes there's pain and regret and guilt and shame, and it keeps getting whispered to you. And the enemy comes along and says, just get a little religion, and maybe you can just get that cleaned off and dusted off. But Jesus goes, no, no, let's kill that thing. Let's put that thing to death once and for all. Um, Jesus says that sometimes the things, some of you have experienced some things that are not so much that you have done, but what people have done to you. And it's awful and terrifying and scary. And Jesus, I got something so much better for you than just getting a little boost or a little positive self-image. There's nothing wrong with any of that. I'm not telling you, I mean, I should be careful here. I'm not saying counseling's bad, that, that psychiatry is bad, that treat, do all that stuff. But Jesus says, if you want that, that's all you're going to have. You'll get your best life now. Eh? What, what if you could have life that, that's a life you could never dreamed possible? If really, you didn't just get a remodel, you got a resurrection. 
But here's the the problem with this, is that we love the idea of resurrection, but you know what? (laughs) You don't get a resurrection without a crucifixion. Sometimes the pathway to glory, to winning, to becoming all God wants you to be is going to involve some difficult things. And so it's funny, um, some good friends of mine here, Shane and Pia, they lead a small group that do uh, marriage ministry stuff here at our church. Some of you are in that group. It's fantastic and amazing. I got their permission to share this story. Uh, several years ago, before they were a part of our church living up in L.A., their marriage was not just struggling. It wasn't just on life support. It was dead. It, I mean, completely dead. They, they told me their story. They hated each other. And not just like, oh, he bugs or she hated each other. The marriage was done. It was over. And in desperation, Pia reached out to some friends who knew what was going on here, and she started checking out a church, and God started doing something in her heart, and changing her heart and some things. It's awesome what happened there. And then she said at some moment in there, marriage is still mm, getting a little better, but she's like, we've crossed, we've crossed, it's, it's dead and done. There's no hope for this. And she said, God spoke to me clearly in my heart and told me, don't worry about it, Pia. I've got a new husband for you. And what she thought was new husband <laughs> over here. What she didn't know was that God was doing something in Shane's heart. What she got was not a remodeled husband, brand new. This is what Jesus wants to do here. is not just remodel you, but to resurrect you, to make you some beautiful, powerful, and amazing. And so Jesus cast this compelling vision for his life. He says, I, I'm about to, uh, it's time for me to enter my glory. But then he says, now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the hour, the very reason why I came, Father, bring glory to your name. See, Jesus, to use this analogy here today, for you and for me, we come to places in our life where God is calling us out into some next new amazing thing he has for us. You know what I can tell you about that? Whether it's marriage or children or getting baptized or becoming a Christian, Almost everybody will go, I'm not ready for that. Just look at me. You're never ready for it. If you wait till you're ready and you think you're ready, how many thought you were ready for marriage when you got married? And how long did it take you? The honeymoon wasn't even over yet, right? You go, what the heck is going on here? Some of you get next to your wife going, that's not me, baby. Shut up, baby. You're lying at church. (laughs) But Jesus is standing here on the, to step through into his purpose, into his destiny, into all the things that God has for him. Maybe you're there today. Maybe it's a big step that God wants you to take in your faith. Whether it's to do some things in your marriage and really step out there, take some responsibility. Maybe it's some things with your finances. Maybe it's with your mental health, with counseling. Maybe it's to become a Christian. Maybe it's to get baptized. We don't know what that is today. I don't know what God's speaking to your heart, but you're standing here going, okay, Jesus, you cast the compelling vision. And Jesus, Jesus knows exactly why he came. He knows exactly why he came He said, I've come here to go to a cross and lay my life down for the sins of the world. And he knows exactly why he's here. And the time has come, he says, for me to enter my glory. And yet, I don't know if I want to do this. If the creator of the universe is a little scared about following God once in a while, you're in good company. You can relax a little bit. You're not a bad Christian because it scares you to follow Jesus or it scares you to do some, do some things in your life that feel challenging or difficult. 
Jesus says, but here's the reason why I came. It's what in just a couple of nights, he's going to be in the Garden of Gethsemane, an olive grove. And he says, Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. It's what he says here. Father, I don't want to do this. I'm terrified about this. God, just, just glorify your name. I got a great little, great little quote here from a guy named Tim Keller in his book on prayer. I'd encourage you at some point, if you'd like to read, uh, get his book on prayer. He says this, tribulations may do us good, and yet because they are hard and painful, we pray that they may be removed from us. Should we pray then for a change in circumstances or just for strength to endure them? Augustine, those of you who paid attention in history, Augustine's like a long time ago guy. Augustine points to Jesus' own prayer in Gethsemane, and even here in John 12, which was perfectly balanced between honest desire, let this cup pass from me, and submission to God, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. This is what happens in the book of Daniel. Three dudes are being told, you bow down to the king, or you get thrown into that furnace right there, like, ugh. And they look at the king, and they say, look, the God we serve is able And they don't just say God can, they go, God will, but even if he doesn't, we're not going anywhere. We will never bow down to you. What this means is, guys, when you get to places where you don't know what to pray, Romans 8 talks about this. When you know what to pray, you know what you pray for? God, here's my honest desires. I I want to meet somebody. I want to get married, or I want this marriage to get changed, or I want my, God changed my circumstances, but God, whatever brings most glory to your name, just do that. And so those three dudes got thrown in the fire furnace. Now God got them out of it. Jesus didn't achieve his destiny by, by just what, saving the world. He went to a cross and into a tomb and rose from the dead. I, uh, a couple stories even, too, that I know from some people who just talked about, um, gosh, the first couple years we started the church, our son's best friend was a police officer in Oceanside. And in the line of duty, he was gunned down by a gangland assassin thing, just a gang guy took a dare to go shoot a cop, and he got killed in the line of duty. I remember talking with Danny, this police officer, with, with Danny's dad. Because can you imagine the pain of that? Your son's in his early 20s. He has a newborn baby. And Steve just talked about the challenge and difficulty of this, but in the private moments of just having some raw conversations, he says, look, if this somehow brings glory to God, Okay, then. Now, he wasn't saying bring it on, bring more trials and difficulty, but guys, this is what we have to do. Say, God, whatever brings glory to you. And guys, I want to, I got some stuff in my life right now that I'm praying for some solutions for. But I can't, can I tell you right now, sometimes it's a great song by Casting Crowns that should become a prayer of your heart that says, God, I know you're able and I know you can save with your power and your mighty hand, but even if you don't. My heart is yours alone. See, that kind of faith is like, that's crazy faith. That's the kind of faith that says you go into the ground and die and look what God does here. See, that's the kind of faith that only res- where miraculous things happen. Because in order to have a miracle, you have to have a mess. In order to have a marriage reborn, you have to have one that's dead and comatose and dying. Finances, health, addictions. Shoot, some of you are religious, tightly wound fools like me. 
It took a bigger miracle for God to save me than it did for some of you because you knew you were a mess. I thought it was pretty good. No, it, I mean, it, it takes a miracle to save everybody. And this is what happens here as Jesus is struggling. Do I, do I step through that doorway into, again, to God's destiny? He says, I don't get it, but God, okay. And then it says, yeah. he says, Father, bring glory to your name. Then a voice spoke from heaven saying, I have already brought glory to my name and I will do so again. This is so good. This is God saying, I have done something great in your life, and I will be doing something great in your life. There's no room for nostalgia on the Christian journey of discovering following Jesus. No room to look back. Some of you, I saw the movie, The Jesus Revolution. I don't know if you guys saw that movie. It's a fantastic movie. Talking the story about the Jesus Revolution, and Time Magazine wrote about it in the in the late 60s, early 70s, where, man, it just blew up. It was amazing and fantastic. And yet, one of the things that happens sometimes is we look back to go, man, remember 1971? It was never better than 1971. And Jesus would go, you, no. Or whether it's 71 or 81 or 91 or 2021, God says, I don't want you to look back there and go, look what I did back there and go, oh, that was so awesome. But now I'm just kind of, eh, about my faith. God goes, no, I got more for you. That's true for us as a church. Guys, we've got some great stories in our past, great things that God has done. What God is telling me, God is telling you is, I have done some great things, and I'm about to do it again. So we just want to tie a knot and hang on to say, look what God is going to do again, what he's about to do. And then Jesus says in verses 30 to 32, the voice is for your benefit, not for mine. The time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw, those of you who have Bibles out, what's that next word there? All people or everyone to myself. He said this as a foreshadowing of the way he would die. It's what Jesus said to Nicodemus in a quiet rooftop thing at a coffee house or a bar or a pub, wherever they were. And Nicodemus, who's a, one of the smartest religious people, priests, pastors in the whole country of Israel, Jesus tells him, you've got to be born again, pal. You've got to be born again. Not the jacked up tax collectors and prostitutes, you religious people. Hey, here's what Jesus needs to tell some of you today. Some of you are jacked up, messed up, screwed up, and you know it. And you need to get born again. You need Jesus to save your soul. But some of you are Christian-ish. You vote for Jesus. You, you're not against Jesus, but you really need to take that step of faith. Jesus said, it's time to take that step of faith. It's time to step through that doorway and go, I'm in. I'm all the way in today. That's what it means to become a Christian. On that connection card, jot us a note about that. Some of you need to take that step of faith and get baptized. Uh, we're going to baptize somebody today. I think next week we have at least one person, maybe two or three more people getting baptized on Easter weekend. Great symbol of what Easter is all about. Jesus says, I'm going to draw all people to myself. So whether you're a rebel against God or religious-ish for God, Jesus says, I'm here for all people. Come back next weekend as we talk about that. We talk about the story of the prodigal sons, not the prodigal son. The prodigal sons. When we say that Jesus is here for everyone, that means Jesus is here not just for my kind of people, but for everyone. That means Jesus is here for people who, who vote differently than you. 
Jesus is here. Jesus is here for, for progressives and for conservatives. You don't have to change to be one or the other in order to become a Christian. And sadly, in the okay. sadly, in the United States of America, in the last two, three, four, five, six years, we have been told that in order to be a Christian, you have to be a conservative. That's hogwash from hell. And if I just offended you, good. Because Jesus said, look, I'm here for everybody. I want to reach the religious people and the rebellious. I'm here for everybody. I'm here, I'm here for people that are of heterosexual orientation and homosexual orientation. I, I mean, I'm here for people who, who vote differently, who people who are rich people, poor people. I'm here for people that are, that are African-American, Asian-American, Mexican-American, Swedish-American, and I forgot what kind of American you are. I'm here for everybody. He says, it's a beautiful mess, the kingdom of God. He said, when I'm lifted up, I'll draw people to myself. And it's interesting, the way, at the beginning of this thing, what did the guys who knocked on the door say, what they wanted to see? They want to see Jesus. Jesus says, when people see me, they'll just come. When we do silly little programs and get it all, we get off message into social issues or moral crusades or, or single issue kinds of things here, we, we miss the fact that Jesus, I, might, I care deeply about those things. We're going to reach people. It's not to become all about those things. Keep it about me. And you keep it about me, and you'll watch the miracle of what I can do to take your jacked-up friends and enemies and neighbors and co-workers and watch what I'll do to revolutionize their life. The band, well, Haley and Rod come up. It's not a big, full band today. They're going to come up right now. We're going to take some time to, to sing together, to celebrate communion together. See, one of the things we do here every week is at the end of our time together, we sit and we sing some songs together. And it's not just to make it worth your while to say, well, at least we got an hour and 15 out of this. We, we do that to let the message of this go from here into here. Let it move not just your mind, but let it move your emotions and your soul and your heart and your soul. We give you a chance every single week, no matter what we're talking about, to come and receive communion. It's in the four corners of the room. It's bread and juice symbolizing the body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus that was given for the sins of the world. And Jesus says, look, guys, the reason we do that every week is Jesus says, keep it about me. And I think the reason he gave us a simple little ceremony to do not some big elaborate thing, bread and juice, how hard can that be? It's on a, on, a, on a consistent basis, we would make sure we were keeping it about him and not about all kinds of side issues and all kinds of weird stuff out there. We keep it about him. So come and receive communion today to celebrate and remember Jesus. And I'm just moved here for a second here because something just, in God, in, in my heart says, some of you think, well, it's because it's you don't know, Steve, I'm, I'm a mess inside. I hope you heard the message today. Yeah, of course you're a mess. That's why Jesus came to say, I'm, I'm more than just about taking a seed and dusting it off, <laughs> cleaning up and shining it all up. Let's put that seed in the ground and die just like I died and watch what I'll do to resurrect you to new life. If you came today with some stuff, maybe you have some stuff you're struggling with. You're going, God, I don't know what's going on. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I'm confused. I don't even know how to pray. Our prayer team is at the back of the house today. As we sing some songs, the lights are going to go down here uh, just to kind of help us minimize distractions and focus in. Come and receive communion. Go back there and receive some prayer. They won't do a big, huge brainstorming session on how to fix your problem. They're just going to talk to God with you about your problem. So Jesus, today, we don't know much 
And we're not even quite sure we always get it right or say it right or pray it right. But the bottom line, gut, soul declaration that we're making today is, Father, glorify your name. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.